Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. Oh, man, you guys are killing it. I love it so much. All right. And we're here. And thank you guys uh, for not blowing the intro. I may cut this, but I just, I love everything about what we just did. You should it made absolutely me so happy. keep this One day. take. I want everyone to know that you doubted the three of us. <laughs> and we pulled it off. And well, to be fair, it was two takes last time, but it's okay. And to we're imagine. We're oiled machine. It oh, took we're, us we're only it. two takes last time. That's impressive <laughs> all in its right for the first time we did it. Oh, man. Speaking of one take, I'm going to segue. Um, let's talk about um, our last episode because I think that's something the four of us haven't commented on. And so at the top of the show, we're going to spend a couple minutes and talk about our first uh, foray into our Just Keep Writing While Black. So... Uh, I don't know what feedback you guys have heard. I know that I know people are listening and I've been seeing some social media stuff. So what are your impressions? What are you thinking? And um, what are people saying to you? Let's start with Brent. Okay. Um, So, I mean, I've kind of, I've kind of gotten mostly all good reactions, all good reactions. Uh, People have been very like happy to hear us say some of the things that they've been thinking about and they've been struggling with, um, particularly in terms of like hearing the complaint about voice or like hearing the complaint about, I couldn't connect with your character. And so I think, I think we tapped into a lot of um, questions and anxieties that a lot of black writers in the field have when trying to get representation. So um, that, yeah, that made me feel good knowing that, you know, we created that space for people to see that. And um, Nia herself was very happy. She was very happy to have been a part of it and to, you know, have gotten the chance to kind of like talk about her journey and and the things that, you know, she has going on and whatnot. And um, just to make y'all guys a little bit jealous, I also got to get a secret about the book. So it's going to be awesome and it's great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thanks for I'm sharing the secret. By the way. I can't share. I can't share. I would be. I know, I know. I'd be on the publishing blacklist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I and I love that we had Nia on uh, as the first um, guest on that on that particular show. I mean, I had a blast. I actually don't do this very often, but I I kicked the episode out to my family and was like, "I know you guys don't listen to podcasts, but you know, tell me what you think." And some of my family was just like wow, I didn't realize, you know, the struggle, you know, the difference between publishing, um, you know, some of the hurdles you have to deal with while being a minority or black, black in this industry. Um, you know, cause they, I mean, they don't know really, really know the industry anyway, but the fact is they realized kind of the struggle. Some of us are butting our heads up against. I think it's really, I think it was a really important conversation. Those are some of the things I was seeing on the social medias too, is like, you're saying the things, Nobody's saying the things you're saying the things. And that, that made me feel kind of good. And also it terrified me a little bit too. Cause I'm like, who's going to jump in my inbox and be like, how dare you say this thing? You know? So that, that kind of scared me a little too, but nah, I'll beat them um, up. I'll beat them up. <laughs> I said, Nick after them, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about talking back. So what did you think? Will? because, and I'm going to, I'm going to turn this to you because um, you kind of helped spearhead this operation. Um, so did, uh, was, was the result, the episode, and the feedback kind of what you expected? Is it what you had in mind, or what did you think? Um, it definitely was what I had in mind. I think it was a really great way 
to hold space for black creatives. And it's really like what I wanted for the both of you um, to build a community in that aspect. Uh, Cause when I look at other podcasts and other writing communities, there's constantly this talk about uh, of being inclusive. And I think, while I think they're starting to, and I think they genuinely in their heart, you know, want to do more. I see a big, um, whole still missing. Right. And I feel like if we're going to grow in the way that we want to grow, then we have to really make a big, um, space for black authors. And I say that specifically because a lot of times it's grouped into, you know, black indigenous people of color. Right. But the black experience specifically in America is very unique than any other, um, racial or ethnic type of upbringing you know, because of the history of the United States. And I feel like, you know, once we do like get to do our first like, you know, classes or whatever, you know, retreat, that we make sure that 50% of that staff are black writers. You can't expect people who are black to go and feel comfortable and feel like they're going to be valued and heard if they're not reflected, even in the staff. So I feel like, you know, this was just mm-hmm. step one of a really long journey that I expect us all to take. And I think it was good for, you know, me and Nick and to take a back seat, you know, because this is, you know, you guys are really, you know, taking it to what it is. It was just, it was just an idea I had and right. I wanted to make sure you both like, like go go with it. And I think there's a lot of topics that um, you're going to be able to talk about, you know, that is unique, you know, like intersectionality and coming from different, um, you know, there's, there's so much in the black experience that's so layered and nuanced that you can really build upon that. I cannot wait to have Nia on the episode to talk about her book. <laughs> like the interview. You just want to talk to her. True. She's a blast. The book sounds amazing, though. The book sounds amazing. <laughs> I, I kind of just a caveat of what Will said. Like we we took a step back on this one for sure, and it wasn't like it was one of those things where I'm happy to take a step back and allow that space to be there. Because even as much of an ally as I can be and stuff like that, it, there's got to be a space. Um, so I'm glad you guys are running it and taking it forward. And being there, I'm I'm here to help out in any any way possible. Um, but I, I'm excited for the upcoming future episodes to see where we would go with it. And Marshall, it kind of goes back to how we why we created the podcast because we want to build a community. Mm. Uh, and so this really just ties that in even more and bringing another aspect of community to the show and our our own community. Yeah, and and I and I appreciate you guys doing that um, in, in the vein of community and, um, and maybe taking a step and taking a step back and opening up spaces for folks. We have some ideas for June for pride and, and we want to do a similar thing and, and, and let Will and, and Brent take the reins on that. And I'm happy to record it, but I want, I want to do the same thing and I want to make sure that we keep that community um, as broad as we can and, and, and bring everybody in. So um Will, do you want to give us a little teaser on kind of what you're thinking about maybe for June, just to, to let people know kind of what's coming? Cause that's only a couple months from now. Yeah. I think 
um, we're going to do an episode where all of us um, are included, and we're going to talk about kind of what we did last year in episode 37. I grilled, um, which was totally oh, yeah. unexpected on their parts. It's a pretty I famous no idea episode. What I, was coming. <laughs> um, I grilled them just about writing inclusive in their own writings. So what I really thought about for Pride Month is it's not just about having a round uh, robin table with um, LGBTQIA plus uh, members, but also allies, right? And about how what they do actually affects us, right? And talking about, you know, how do you incorporate, you know, those characters when maybe you're not from that community? I want to, we'll do an episode with me and Brent. Um, and I also, we can cut this out if you don't want to do it, but, um, for just keep writing while black, I really think for that episode, it's like, we can really talk about the intersectionality of being black and then being part of the community. And then our final one is we're going to interview, you know, an author who is a part of our community who, um, has a book out and then we'll do a deep dive, which is kind of our normal you know, type of thing, yeah. but you know, we're definitely going to highlight them for pride. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I don't think it's, it's not something that's going to stop either. Like we're still going to continue to do things like this, but for pride month, we can do a little bit more fun, you know, just to highlight it and just keep moving forward. And, and, and one thing I want to say about that, as far as being an ally too, I mean, we all have, um, folks in our lives and I'm an, I've been an ally. I mean, I have a, I've talked about it on the show before I have a trans kid. Um, I run a, um, you know, a, a club for, you know, queer kids on campus at the high school. Like I, I really am trying, I really want to bring as much as I can to this, but at the same time, I can't wait to see, um, what you guys do, uh, while I sit here and press record. <laughs> I'm excited. Brent, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Oh no, I don't think I was. Um, yeah, I was just happy. This is all. This is all good stuff. <laughs> all good That's it is good stuff. His happy face. Uh, I love also, seeing happy faces. <laughs> also, I want to also talk about um, the contest that we are going to have, and we'll get more details. But uh, so we had uh, Sui on episode forty-one, and his new book comes out, uh, which is "Son of Storms," which. You're going to edit Son of the Storm, I think. Son of the Storm. Yeah. Yeah, you already have a copy. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, man. People not benefiting from the video feed. I'm not cutting any of that, by hey, the way. We may, we may not <laughs> even post this video feed this time. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yep. Son of the Storm. It's the um, the new book um, from Sui Davis Okumbawa. Um, I hope I said his name right. Sui, if I killed it, I'm sorry. Edit that out. Um, nope. Thanks. Um, but I'm going to tell you what Brent has um, the, an arc right now, but Suey specifically is sending it to me. So how mm. you like me now, everyone? Okay. Um, right. but we did post a review of it on fire um, recently. And he said, oh. the re- he said the review was spot on and the reviewer totally got his book. So I was happy to see were, that. Were, were you the reviewer? No, I wasn't. It was um hmm. one of so the thing is we can cut this out. Orbit sent me an ebook and a physical arc, and I was like, I can't read it right now. So I sent the ebook to one of my reviewers to like re read it. 
No, but I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know if we have to cut any of that necessarily, but I think what we should do is yeah. um, in the show notes, we'll put the link to the uh, review, right? I mean, if yeah, the review's absolutely. out, then then let's yeah, yeah, let yeah, people yeah. know what to expect. And then, when, and then, you know, like I said, I think, I don't know, having Sui on again would be amazing. So We are going to have him on. I already talked to Sui about it, so we're going to figure out no, when I know. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited Speaking about it. Speaking of Sui and... Speaking of Sui, we're going to be giving away his book. We have we're going to have three copies, and what we're asking everyone is that um, you can um, email or um, Instagram or Twitter send us a copy of your receipt of another black science fiction or fantasy um, book that you've bought, um, and then you are entered in the contest to win the brand new book "Son of the Storm" by Sui. Ah, it's awesome. We haven't done a contest in a long time. Long time, so I'm excited to do another. I think we're gonna have to do this. Like, I think we need to do a contest once a month over something fun, because I especially agree. with like Nia's book, like we really should do something fun for her when it's released, and we have her on the show to interview. And that's Absolutely. another thing we should talk about too. Is that after we finish our multi-part of mastering plot twists, we are going to do some three single episodes, just kind of around issues and like where we're at. Then we're going to get into a book by Gal Carriger called The Heroine's Journey. So we're definitely going to do a fun contest around that book. And I think Nia's going to come back on for that show for a couple episodes. That would be yes, fun. She has confirmed that she will be back. <laughs> I mean, uh, she's awesome. All right, guys. So we've covered a whole lot of stuff um, and we got a contest coming. Um, we have, we have new show ideas coming. So uh, I think a, I don't normally do this at the beginning of the show. I have this canned uh, recorded at the end, but definitely um, follow us on Patreon. If you want to help us out, uh, patreon.com slash just keep writing. We have daily writing prompts. We have um, early access to episodes and stuff like that. But the, the, the little bit of money we get from that helps us pay some stuff and we can do more things like contests and stuff like that. If we can buy some books um, and, and turn that back to you guys. So I don't normally do that in the middle of an episode, but it felt like a good moment to kind of, hype that and nick has his hand raised so that's something that's happening go ahead buddy hey guys you know i was gonna kind of segue and i forgot we'll have more to say but hey speaking of suey and recent releases have you guys not picked up your copy yet of black panther tales of wakanda special anthology it's on pre-order yeah it's not out yet i just picked it up from target guys so it's out no it's out it's out Um, oh it is okay yeah uh the one of my the one of the people from Fires in there, Troy, he has a story in there. There's and, um, so many good authors. It's a in shit there. ton of yeah. It's a it's a lot of good authors. I'm ready to pick it up. Like Maurice has a story in there too, doesn't he? Yeah, Maurice is in there. So he, uh, Troy, Cherie, Renee, um, Linda Addison. Yeah, there, yeah. there there's Nikki a Giovanni. Big like oh. it's a huge yeah. You guys have to so pick do it that. Up. Pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'm waiting for my bookstore to call me and tell me I can come pick mine up because I put it on pre-order. So nice. Yeah, I don't have any cool, cool. bookstores like that around here. I already read it. <laughs> of course you did. It was Ruin great. I love my plug by reading it three weeks early. <laughs> anyway. All right. So let's move in. So here's what we're talking about this week. We are in chapter seven of Mastering Pot Twists. Uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. Will's been driving this book for the most part. Uh, we're going to turn over to Brent this week to drive the conversation, to ask us questions, and we'll have a discussion around it. Um, but yeah, um, all the stuff we talked about at the top of the show, 
before Wall Brand gets ready um, is, is really important. We do appreciate our community. So we do have a Discord channel um, and all that. So definitely communicate, email us, and jump in the contest. We'd love to see how many folks are buying black um, black authors right now, and, and we'll get you in and get you a copy of Sui's book. Brent, it's yep. all you, buddy. All right. So uh, today we are going to be talking about Chapter 7 in Mastering Plot Twist. So the title of this chapter is Find Fire and Ice. So essentially, to sum it up real quick, this this whole chapter is about evaluating your TRDs and seeing if they actually work and are they viable and are they not going to upset your audience? Is it logical for the story, etc.? So that's kind of like the whole drive of this chapter. So up until this point, we've been learning how to create effective TRDs. So now this chapter is asking you to, once you create the TRDs, evaluate them and see if they actually are valid and do they work. So, all right. So um, first sentence of this chapter is, at their best, TRDs should be counterintuitive. Now, up in, everyone should know what TRDs mean by now, but I'll go through them again anyway. All right, so T's are plot twists, R's are plot reversals, and D's are moments of heightened danger. So these are the three elements that you want to put into your story. It's gonna be, it's like any recipe, it's gonna be different amounts of it depending on what you're trying to what you're trying to bake or cook or stew up or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, so um I'm hungry. I'm, I don't know if the food references are going to work for me. Oh, I shouldn't do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Burn the pot. Burn the pot. Burn food. Everything. <laughs> Put too much salt on the meat. We'll just order a pizza. Yeah. yeah order a pizza. We'll be good. <laughs> okay. So um, one of the things that I just kind of like wanted to sort of talk about right from the beginning is that if a TRD doesn't work, it will hurt the story more than it will help. And so I kind of wanted to open it up right away to what are some examples of TRDs in fiction that you have read that you hated and why did they not work? Will, you read a lot. So I feel like I should start with you on this one. This is a scary one to start with, though, because... I know, but I'm coming out the gate. This is my first yeah, time... No, I uh, like this. Yeah, this is my first time moderating, so I'm like coming with it. <laughs> Do you want to go, Will? Or I, I, I was gonna say I'm something. Re- in I'm, re- I'm ready to go if need be. I mean, whoever whoever's ready, Marshall, you got an example, so I'll let you. I don't have a specific example. Okay. Um, but I think when they don't work, I I find especially when it comes to, and I'm gonna say TV and movies mostly, it's when it's predictable. When you know, and when it's like, it's not a surprise, so it doesn't work as a reversal or a twist. It's like, well, duh. And so if you're, if you are reading your work and, or somebody's reading your work and they say, well, of course that was going to happen. That's not a TRD. That's just an event that's happening, right? You're not giving anybody anything to, um, you're not wowing the reader in that, in the way that you're hoping to. So that was just going to say in general, while people were thinking about specific examples. Okay. And if it helps, I mean, if it helps, we can open this up to TV and other media as well, because uh, we don't have to keep it just confined to fiction. 
Well, I would say for me, the biggest one is under uh, Grant Morrison's run on um, X-Men, which was labeled New X-Men at the time. I think the idea that they uh, brought the Phoenix back into Jean Grey and then Jean died and it was supposed to be this big, oh my gosh, um, it's boring. It's monotonous and it really didn't do anything. You know, and I think the major flaw with DC and Marvel right now is that they have these big events and you can totally see, okay, you're just hitting the beats. You're killing a character off to bring them back two years later. And, you know, with a new costume and a new identity. So it's reader jumping on point. And I think it's just such lazy writing lazy. Another thing um, that I'm going to take from comic books, and um, this is just my personal opinion. Um, I think Jeff Johns, who wrote Green Lantern and did The Flash, um, when he re-brought back Hal Jordan from Kyle Rayner, who I personally grew up reading, um, I felt like it was just so old and tired and redundant. Now, why I think like having certain things, like having the ray of different spectrums of lanterns were great, I knew that none of them would really actually become heroes that um, the Green Lanterns were. And the simple fact is that when they did the Justice League animated series, and they had Jon Stewart be the uh, actual Green Lantern and not Hal Jordan, and which was different, you know, one, he was a black character he comes from a military background. I thought that was really interesting. Um, what did they do? They um, didn't highlight him in any of the movies. They actually regard him as like a minor character. And so Jeff Johns went and created Simon Baz, a Muslim character. There was no nuance to that character. It was super predictable that he carried, he uh, would, with his ring, created as a gun, which goes into all these different stereotypes of it being a, um, a terrorist, you know? And I just felt like, you know, a lot of what that man does is regurgitation and this big surprise, and he gets praised for being such a writer, is droll and boring and mediocre white man. Thanks. I, uh, so, um, and I, I want to talk about that Grant Morrison example because I think that was the weakest point of their entire run. Like, they're so when, I, and it's so it's so crazy because earlier in the run they had the whole Cassandra Nova twist, which was I thought that was a cool plot twist. Like, oh, Cassandra Nova actually took over Xavier's body, and nobody knew until Xavier well. Cassandra Nova was up there messing up the Shi'ar Empire. Like I thought that was cool, and then for him to like, well, them to uh, do the Phoenix thing, it was weird. Like it, it failed as a plot twist. Yeah, and I feel like you know, with comic books, like specifically when it comes to women, it is always um, they have too much power and they'll go crazy. They did it with the Scarlet Witch, who, you know, Michael um, Brian Bendis, I actually really love as a writer. I think he tries his best to write nuanced characters. I think the introduction of Miles Morales was brilliant, and he did it so brilliantly. And what I also loved is that he handed the torch, you know, and said, oh, my gosh, like, this character is so loved. Take it. And it went to someone, right, of color, you know. Right. Um, But in a lot of these comic books, it is just – 
it's so every t- plot twist they try to put in, it is so boring and lackluster, and it just turns me off. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think there's a for me at least, I think the main reason for that is that unfortunately, with long term serial storytelling, it's very hard to have good narrative payoff after a certain point, and it's like with especially with the with the big two Marvel and DC. It's very hard to make a TRD actually effective, especially the more popular the character is, the less effective any TRD is. It's because, you know, with that form of storytelling, things are always going to go back to center. Things will always go back to recognizable format. I have a question about that, too, because like I feel like one of the bigger ones to come out since the MCU has kind of been going um, and, you know, they relaunched some of these comics in the wave of all that, right? You had that whole Captain America, Hail Hail Hitler almost said, uh, Hail Hydra moment, right? Now, is that, I've been curious to see what you guys think of that because I think it's it's interesting that they ended up playing it up in the movie a little bit at some point. Um, But was that an effective TRD in a comic book? Because you do have that long-term storytelling, right? And that's where... I think it's more effective if you're talking about a novel and you're talking about, you know, a trilogy, even you have those moments. You're like, Oh crap. Like that just happened. Right. But is that an example of an effective TRD in a comic book? I'm just curious. Uh, Will you have something to say? Yeah. And then Brent, you can go. Um, This is what I think about Captain America. No, it was again, a tired TRD. It would have Mm -hmm. been more interesting had the reader known Cap had been brainwashed, and this is what was going to happen. Because then it allows us to know that, okay, we know he's going to be Captain America again, but why are they brainwashing him? This is where Mm -hmm. they could have gone in with their TRDs. I'll tell you, one of the best comic books that has the biggest plot twists, okay, is The Walking Dead. Oh, really? Okay. I haven't read it. I think The Walking Dead, what Robert Kirkman did with that and ending it in a surprise was brilliant. I think that comic book is really um, character um, driven. While I, there's definitely some things I'd be like, well, you know, I kind of have a problem with your world building to an, a certain extent. But I also think that with his other uh, comic book series that was also ended but did over a hundred issues was Invincible. There's a lot in that story that you're just like taken aback and that you just wouldn't expect because the big two, in my opinion, don't have the balls um, to actually do it. And this is where, you know, me and Brent talked (laughs) about this before. They have very little, anyone who is of a marginalized group actually write that series now. Mm -hmm. They're just starting to finally reach out to people. But I just think it's, one reason why, you know, sometimes the X-Men can fall flat. And two, it's just that, you know, um, if you hear some of the creative pitches of what didn't go, or suddenly when they were doing it, editorial came in and ruined it. I think they don't give creators the the expression to do the work that they can and make it great. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And part of me, I have a lot of sympathy for comic writers that are in the big two, just because so much of it, they are constrained by. Like, you can't necessarily... And, and and now I think, too, it's also moved beyond editorial. It's also become fans that have made it impossible to do anything different or new. 
because people want characters to be a certain way. And so I think what's in what I find interesting, the comic writers that seem to succeed the most today in the big two are the ones who understand which characters they can't do TRDs with and which ones they can. And when you have that intimate understanding of what you can and can't do, that's when your stories really succeed. Like Donnie Cates, I think is a good example. He's really good at like, he knows I can't do something with this big character, but I can introduce a new character and I can do all kinds of crazy things with them and let that be the thing where the TRDs happen. So I think it kind of, we'll probably get into this a little more, but I think it just different narrative formats did yeah. require different things. Like, cause with Robert Kirkman, he had, it was creator owned, so he could do those TRDs and have those permanent consequences without an editor being over his shoulder and being like, "Well, there's t- there's two thousand fans of this character, and they will not like this change." Mm. So you know, so I I have some sympathy, but I do agree. Like most of the time, those TRDs fall flat because we know it's going to go back to normal. Cool. All right. So I had an example outside of comics actually where. Um, a moment of heightened danger that I absolutely hated was in season eight of Game of Thrones when Daenerys finally took her dragon and started burning King's Landing. <laughs> I knew I, I was hoping someone brought this up. Ugh, I, that was such an unearned moment of danger. There was n- the work that, and the thing, the thing that makes me so mad about it is that, like, yes, it was going to happen. Yeah, it's the way we got there that sucked. Uh huh. And yeah, so I feel like Nick, you want to jump in on this one because I feel like I feel you feel righteous about it, like I do. I'm pretty sure I brought you on my other show, and we we talked about Game of Thrones for a while back in the day, right, Nick? <laughs> During season seven, mm. I was fighting people left and right. The last few episodes, like you could see it coming. My biggest thing is I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I was not blindsided by the fact that Daenerys was going to go crazy. The writing was on the wall. It's always been there. But like you said, Brent, it wasn't earned. It wasn't set up well enough in that last episode to be there. It was it was a switch. They gave us reason for it, right? Melisandre died, and then she lost mm-hmm. it. However, leading up to that moment, there just wasn't enough. And so right. that that reveal, if you will, just it wasn't satisfying. They they should have done a whole another season on this one. Like, no, absolutely, no. There, there should have been at least three more seasons to get us to that point. I think, but or or let it happen earlier on. Like she was, she kept getting shut down the season before, left and right on everything. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm with you, Brent, on that yeah. one. Like it, it was just totally unearned, and it and it fell flat. And it, it sucks because they did it so well before with a lot of other right. characters. Yeah. Yeah. Granted. Yeah. Rumors say that they yeah. rushed last season just so they could go work on Star Wars or something. So, <laughs> which they got fired. And look from. what happened. Look at God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Will, were you, you were going to say something? I mean, some of the books that, like, I think I was disappointed in um, are some of um, Dean Koontz books, who I love Dean Koontz, by the way. I think he's a really fun read. But there were some things that I just didn't agree with of what he did. I think the one book, Cold Fire, um, I don't know if anyone's ever read it. I felt some of the twists and turns were very predictable, which is surprising because some of his books really throw you for a loop, you know, and I know that's one of his books in his earlier career, but that is one that really comes to mind where 
how the character was showing up and um, saving all these people. It's like, okay. And every time there was supposed to be a twist, I just felt it was very, um, I, I expected it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the most disappointing when you run across a book that it's expected. It falls flat for you because you saw it from a mile away. Uh, my example that I have, uh, it's actually from Dan Wells, his second book in the John Cleaver series. Um, there was a. I thought you might bring this up because we had this conversation because we were kind of reading these at the same time. Sorry ah, to cut man. you off, but no, you're yeah. good. Go ahead. You're good. Go there, this is. I don't think this is one I've brought up before, but one of the quote unquote demons in the book has a way of leaving its host that once it was revealed, I didn't like it. It didn't address what he. Yeah, it didn't address the issues that it should have addressed. It kind of tried to do the magic hand on it, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, should I spoil it? Uh, maybe oh, try yeah, to avoid. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't care. Uh, spoil it. So, <laughs> it's been out for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Um, Mark, do you remember the name of the second book? Yeah, I actually have it up on my phone right here. Hold on a second. Because um, I was looking through those books, too. Which one was it? Um, uh, Mr. Monster. Mr. Monster. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Monster by Dan Wells. Uh, so in this book, demons of a sort are able to take over a host. Um, this specific demon goes around between teen girls. And in order to leave that host, once she's drained them of their happiness, she cuts her the host's wrists and exits the bodies that way in a bathtub. Yeah, it's right? pretty, pretty gruesome stuff. Pretty gruesome. However, it didn't address the issue. Um, to me, uh, of teen suicide, right? It didn't. It didn't really get to that. So when that came out, that revealed to me, yeah, put me off a little bit um, mm. for that series. I'm glad because it's it's a shock value for shock value. Yeah, and, but yeah, and Dan I think that was part of the issue with that too. Yeah, yeah, but Dan's actually most of the other stuff I've read of his. He's he's not that writer. I think this was possibly a, an oversight or something like that. I don't know. Um, Cause that's not normal from other stuff that I read. So, but I do have to throw it out there because it was one that almost got me to not read the rest of the series. And I remember kind of talking you through it. I was like, cause I think I was two books ahead of you at that point. And you're like, yeah. and I think, and I think the problem with those moments too, TRDs that center around very controversial things like teen suicide mm-hmm. or, um, you know, image issues or eating disorders and stuff like that, like that can turn someone off from a, from something as well. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think, I think that's kind of what you ran up against Nick. And I just kind of told you to power through it a little bit because he kind of, well, and the I, rest of the series I think went okay, but you, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking for you. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, I, I think we, we might, we probably did talk a little about it too. My other issue too is, this this total re- like uh, the reveal that the main character is a serial killer, all this, all that. He never goes out and cl- kills for pleasure. Like he kills for purpose. He's killing demons because they're trying to either hurt him or someone he loves, and he just happens to be in the way. Does he enjoy it? Yeah, but to me, like he, he doesn't fit this mold of like a serial killer and. That's where, like, yeah, you can have the same ideologies. Yeah. It, it's actually in the first book, I'm Not a Serial Killer, his therapist 
really lays it out there. Be like, you're not a serial killer. You may have these same qualities. That does not make you a killer. And then the rest of the series is all about how he enjoys it, but, but can't and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, I'm not really sold on that. But it was really about, and I know we've we've had this conversation around serial killers and that that ide- ideology or whatever that mindset. But mm-hmm. the idea is that this character was really struggling with the 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 feelings of wanting to do it. Yeah, you know it, what I mean, yeah, yeah. and not acting on him. And and his his character arc was really acting on him when he had to, and having that restraint is what separated him. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was able to say, even though he is a serial killer, he's not a serial killer, right? Um, what were you gonna say, Will? Uh, the main character, John Cleaver, in those books are uh, has dissociative disorder. So it um, mm-hmm. is a form of uh, sociopath, but it's actually a real mm. disorder too. Um, Correct. And no, for a lot sure. Yeah. Of, a lot of the fears are that they they themselves have. Of, Am I a serial killer? So um, I just got that book for my nephew. Hey, Brian. And um, he <laughs> loves it. He actually loved it. And I, Brent, I got him Ring Shout. And it um, blew his mind. Hey, how about Ring Shout being nominated for Nebula? Huh? Yes. Yeah. So happy what about up? that. Yeah. I got to read that next. Shout out to Ring Shout. Yeah. <laughs> Butcher Clyde in that book still gives me chills. He is that. Ooh, Jesus. Yeah. He's um, a really interesting character. And actually... Since we're talking like T, well, I guess. Well, does anybody have any TRDs, other TRDs they want to fuss about that weren't good? Or, yeah, I was gonna say we should move forward. Uh, yeah, feels, yeah, go ahead and move forward. Okay, so on the flip side, we're gonna we're gonna reverse the question. So, what examples of TRDs that you thought were really well laid out in fiction that stick out in your mind, and why did those TRDs work? Hmm. A lot of them. I gotta pick pick a good one, right? I gotta redeem myself. Well, since we we're talking ring shout, I'll talk about ring shout, and y'all guys can think of your example. Okay, so go. in ring shout, there's the moments of heightened danger are so freaking good. Like there's a scene in there where the main character she meets the main antagonist Butcher Clyde for the first time, and the it's done in this creepy way, but. He's he's just in there. He's in this. She walks into this butcher shop and he's just chopping meat and he's chopping <laughs> it. And and the way it's described, it's like this is he's really too into this chopping of meat thing. And you get tense and then you hear him talk and he's very like polite and suave, but really like kind of like country friendly preacher type. And it just makes your skin crawl. And, you know, and. And then when he says something, what does he say? He says, oh, we've been watching you to the main character. Right there, heightened danger. Just like, what the hell you been watching me? What you mean? <laughs> right? and, yeah, and it's just it's just this really great moment of dread. And it just really establishes the character so well. And I'm going to talk about it later with how they use sensory stuff to build TRDs. But he does this real interesting thing where it's like, his his eyes aren't normal. His teeth aren't normal. And it's like that little detail just lets you know, like, this ain't right. This is dangerous. There's something's about to happen. And yeah, it's just, uh Fenderson is amazing as a writer and I can't wait till his novel drops. But yeah, that that's, that's ring shout. So who wants to, who wants to jump on that train? Uh, I'm going to avoid, 
uh, one that we've talked about a lot on this show from John uh, Scalzi. Uh, no, I was gonna I was gonna use one of yours, you knucklehead. Six of crows. Uh, six of crows. I was gonna avoid that one because oh, so I've been reading good, it like though. crazy. Because thanks to you, it's so freaking good. I'm already I'm almost done with Crooked Kingdom, um, and and I think Lee Bardugo does an amazing job of 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 hitting those TRDs and really keeping that, especially when you're jumping POVs and managing to tell a heist story and and being able to still keep that head hopping going and the twists uh and and heightened danger and stuff i think i think she's brilliant in this series um but i was going to keep it simple and go to an old standby that's something i've taught to my students and this is something that i've talked about a lot and it's ready player one and i think Mm -hmm. i think ernest klein does a really good job of 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 twisting the story quite a bit at the end, especially when it comes to reveal when he meets these people that uh, when the when the narrator meets these people in real life, and those expectations are that he had in his head are are hit with reality, you know, and you know, and, and I think of that the best friend character of having this best friend that you've met virtually, and then meeting him in real life. And then, oh crap, my my dude friend is actually uh, a black girl, and it's also totally cool and awesome. And we're gonna go save the world now. And it's like it twists, yeah. but then it's like it's also a character moment too. And I think I think he does a really good job with it. And it, I feel like it's a little bit of a basic answer, sort of, but it's it's really well done and um, not not really. Um, not hinted at and it's mm-hmm. really a twist but also it's a really cool moment and it just kind of makes you like yeah that's badass you know and you move forward not like what the fuck you know kind of thing that so. that same scenario right there the main character and the best friend actually joke that mm-hmm. you don't know i could be a 50 year old dude naked in my basement <laughs> yeah right and, and, and there's those little moments right where yeah, then totally. you you it makes you wonder or, along the way uh an actual really good one from that same book too is when there's consequences in real life from what the mm-hmm. main character does in the virtual world that that to me really like you just don't die and lose all your stuff in game like no like you just lost your entire community because Mm -hmm. someone blew it up because they were mad at you in real life like that really heightens danger the the example i was going to use actually comes from none other than uh maurice broadus in knights of britain court there's there's a scene in there one of the main bad guys meets up with the mom um that i believe she works for him but this guy's just kind of scary. He's got two big security guards that's always rolling around with them. They get into the house. Like, you know something's about to happen. And he's talking real calm. And then he asks her to chew on some razor blades to prove her love for her kids. And you're like, what? And, the and like, Maurice does such a good job of upping the ante in that scene. Of taking yeah. this badass, like, bad guy. And just really seething with evil and like, oh, so good. Yeah. Well, it looks like I upset you about Ready Player One a little. I don't like Ready Player One at all. So sorry. I, no, it's okay. I, I, I didn't. Upset. I was going to say, I didn't enjoy Ready Player Two as much as Ready Player One because I haven't even read Ready Player Two yet. 
the I same you know what the I, same trds i understand the appeal i understand the appeal with it but it just wasn't for me um yeah. for me i enjoyed it I enjoyed it quite a bit, and the main reason I liked it was I knew that was something that I could get my seniors to read because mm-hmm. they were into games, and it was just very accessible. You know what I mean? That's kind of why I kind of fell in love with it. I'm not chomping at the bit to read Reddit Player 2, if I'm being honest. Um, not worth it. And I just haven't yet. Be, you know, And because I just it's something that I taught, and it's something that I was able to have these discussions with students about and actually get them to read a book. I still have students that you know, five years, six years after they graduate, like that was the only book I've ever read still to this day. And I like, I was like, well, I don't know what that says about you, but I'm glad you read a book, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So anyway, yeah, no, for sure. Did you uh, have one will that you were thinking of a TRD that was done really well that you liked? Like a, like a big plot twist or like a reversal or like a um, moment of heightened danger that was, um, I mean, I have so many. Um, I'm going to use a TV show for a minute that I thought was done really well. And even though this person has lots of controversy because he's problematic, but when Buffy the Vampire Slayer in season five, when uh, Buffy's mom died, I thought that was shocking because not only did she die, but she died of a natural death. And I thought for a show that had a lot of fun twists and was fun and serious sometimes her losing her mother from a natural cause nothing that she could fight nothing that could have been saved was really really impactful i thought that was really well done my other one that i really love is in um octavia butler's um dawn uh lilith's brood if you get the three of them um and in the story when you start to find out how the aliens have affected the humans like Lilith and from not wanting to have physical sex. I thought that was a really creepy, great surprise. And that really made me think of how controlling they were and about how that was almost like they genetically manipulated them and changed them to be slaves in a lot of way um that to me was a really not expected i don't know if it was a plot reversal because you kind of see the intimacy forming when lilith first um comes awake with some of the humans but when it doesn't go well you're just thinking that it's isolation um and things like that but then later on when you learn what they did to them it was just like it was shocking and gross and it left me feeling sick to my stomach yeah, no, uh, Octavia Butler. Oh, Will, you got one? I mean, not no. Will, sorry, Marshall, Lord. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> we were talking about TV shows just now, and I just thought of when I was watching TV. I don't know if any of you watched Star Trek The Next Generation, um, but I think what really got me, I don't want to say into sci fi, but like really made me think, like, man, you can really do anything, right? is when Picard got turned into a freaking Borg. And it was like, is he always going to be a Borg? Like it, what, and it was like, what a two, I think it was a two episode arc, two or three. And it's like, how am I going to deal with this? Picard is like, he's the man. Like, is he, how is this going to happen? And that twist of him just all of a sudden being there and, and being a Borg and doing this was just, it blew my mind. I just, and that was one of those moments where, 
you know, obviously I watched it so long ago, but it was one of those moments where I just felt like, holy crap, there's nothing you can't do to shock the, you know, to tell this story. It's, it was amazing. I just loved it. And I hated it at the same time, of course. <laughs> well, now you're making me think you made me think of something from a video game, actually. Um, mm. I remember when I first played StarCraft and Kerrigan came out of the chrysalis. Mm. I thought she was dead. And when it came, when she came out the chrysalis, I was like, holy shit, Kerrigan, you're alive? Like, <laughs> and, and you're a badass psionic now? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like a great moment. All right. I'm trying to think of a... Um, so actually, will you make me think of one since Black Sun is behind you? Black Sun had a really good moment in it too, where it wasn't necessarily a twist, but it was um it was a reveal, I guess a reversal where like the epigrams, I think that's the right word, the epigrams in the book made sense at one point. And it made me look back at the whole book and I was like, oh shit, that's what I was reading the whole time. I had no idea. I don't want to spoil it since Black Sun's relatively new, but yeah, it's just artfully, masterfully done. So, okay. So I want to kind of switch it to our own work. Like I want us to talk about our own stuff. So uh, I think we're almost on an hour. So this is probably the last thing. All right. So one of the things that it talks about in this chapter is using sensory details in your work to really establish TRDs. So what I kind of wanted to ask you guys is like, what sensory details do you, can you think of from your own work are that you just in general like that help establish TRDs that people do, or that you yourself doing your work? Hmm. Hmm. I know deep question. I'm coming with it the first time. I'm like, no, I love it. this. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so sensory details we focus on mostly in our work to to portray this stuff. Yeah, like what what okay. do you like to lean towards in like when you're wanting to set up a TRD? I have one. I think it's when the two. For me, I'll, I'll think of Paradigm Shift. I think when my two main characters were having dinner and the pauses, you know, of dialogue and the tension that was being built about what wasn't being said. Does that help? Does that answer the question? Yeah, or no? no, no, that absolutely. Yeah, no, that absolutely helps because it, it it's... I think dinner is a great place to do that kind of stuff because like dinner, you can then use like, for instance, if I'm at dinner and normally I always eat the, like eat my salad first, but this one day, you know, this, that I'm not touching my salad. I'm just sipping on my wine and that could help establish like maybe a moment of tension. Like that, like this isn't normal. What's going on? So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a great example. Y'all still thinking over there? <laughs> oh, I, I was just saying, I like that scene. Well, oh, thanks. No, I'm, I, yeah, and I was bringing up. I, I was playing with this. Uh, nobody's read this yet because it's still pretty rough. But it's this weird cyberpunk thing I started writing, and one of the things I was playing with was cyber, you know, cybernetics and how you know once you once you get to a certain amount of cybernetic implants, you become less of a human kind of thing. Right. And so it's the perception of, so what I was, what I was playing with as far as sensory details is how the people with all these cybernetics sound as they move to people who don't have this. Right. And it's like how intimidating someone can be is if they are standing, I have this woman who is like running this 
crazy corporation and she's standing there and there's someone behind her she wants to intimidate and she literally turns her head all the way around to look at them and the way that she laughs and the way that they the way that she like just intentionally because she knows that it'll 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 creep them out does it and she's laughing because the pov is her and she's laughing kind of in her head but also how how her how she sees them react to her is um something i was playing with and so it's a combination of sound and um and perception when it comes to um how people look kind of alien and foreign i guess I don't know if that answers your question, but no, that's just no, absolutely. I'm, that's something I'm playing with with that with that story, especially with the head turn thing. No, that's like that's super like creepy. I think you're yeah, it's creepy because you're playing on. I think you're not only playing on that world's expectations, but you're playing on the reader's expectations. Like to right. most people, someone turning their head all the way around and laughing at you—that's some creepy shit. So you're you're showing us right away, like, oh, this is not normal. This isn't right. Something's right. off here. And her jaw, like this whole part of her face is is metal and doesn't emote. And so it's like you have this weird kind of I, I always kind of look jack-o'-lantern kind of vibe to it. It's it's yeah, I don't know. It creeped me out writing it. It was kind of fun. I don't know if I'm pulling it off, but it was fun to think about. If if it creeped you out writing it, you're probably you're probably pulling it off. Because usually like um it's this quote, I'm trying to remember, no tears for the writer, no tears for the reader. So in this case, if you're if you're not creeped out, the reader's not going to be creeped out for sure. But yeah, Nick, you got one or yeah. So it's uh, man, there, there's a couple I go with, but I, I want to. I like showing inner conflict by reflecting back on things that happen. So for example, my main character in my the novel I wrote, and Brent, you just read this one too. There's He's got PTSD issues and there's a moment in a interview he's with. He gets an image of one of the victims he had to help out um, because he's a cop. And yeah, he gets the image of one of the victims and just going through using descriptions of what he saw and correlating with how he felt at the time and then how it's affecting him now years later um, within a short time span. Um, So I, I love me personally, I like on the the look back aspect of things um, to kind of set up that reveal. Of, well, and having read that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, OK. Well, I was just going to say having read it, I was actually going to tell you something that I think you did well with TRD wise, too. So there's a point in that story where he's kind of getting it's like right almost in the beginning where he's getting dressed down about the incident that happened mm-hmm. by this by the guy. And you you do it very well, like you set up this heightened danger because the guy that's interrogating him is so like standoffish towards him. He's very much like, don't touch me. I don't do handshakes. Let's just go through the facts of this. Why aren't you being truthful? Like he was just like dressing them down and then kind of like. I think you did a good job of building the anxiety in that moment because it's like I'm sitting there reading it and I'm like, oh, my God, I would like be freaking out if I was in that office. Like this guy obviously is out to get me. So yeah. I think you did that really well in that particular story. I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I and guess that, um, that's an example of a TRD that I do. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, well done, absolutely. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> it was well done. No, it was well done. Um, <laughs> 
I'm trying to think of something I did that was like heightened. Well, thing I guess okay. So there's two things in this. Um, I haven't finished writing it yet, but in the novella that's coming out next year. So yay, y'all guys again like sneak plot Ooh. points. But, all right. So anyway, there's um there's a scene in the book. At least as of now, there's a scene in the book where the two main characters are in a like VIP room and they're kind of like. They're kind of like filling up on each other and, you know, like getting it on. But they're actually about to try to kill one another. So I'm trying to use I try to I'm trying to use touch and to kind of show like how the danger is heightened because he's like, wait, he's a lot more passionate than normal. Where is this coming from? And they're like, you know, neither one of them know that the other one's trying to kill each other and just using like trying to use touch and them recognizing like the ways that they normally are and the differences in that moment to kind of like build up the danger. Well, and then there's this, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about a different piece that you wrote. If so, if you want to finish on that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So there was one other thing in the novel that I'm doing that's like heightened danger that like kind of like it's something like Marshall's where it's like it's just not normal. So there's these dimensions in this book called torture dimensions. And the reason they're called that is because sound never dissipates in them. So if you say something, it literally echoes forever and ever. So this these dimensions are just full of millennia of words and sounds and noise. And it's just like this this unbearable cacophony as soon as you enter it. So Dang. That, that's kind of like, yeah, one thing. So those are like two things I'm using to kind of like put some TRDs into a work in progress. Oh, I like it. I was gonna ask you about uh Vanity Among Worms, your baffling magazine. Oh <laughs> you yeah. you've got some heightened danger situations in that one towards the end. Yeah, so um I kind of wanted to do the reversal of it because the whole point of that story was to kind of show like um sometimes chasing like what's popular and like trying to find that acceptance isn't always what it's cracked up to be. So I kind of tried to like set up the expectation like, oh, yeah, all these hot guys are dancing. They're having a great time in this club. It's like boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden they're all like undead and (laughs) and and it happens. And then like what I did, like what I thought was like, okay, logically, most people would be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. What do you mean? These guys are undead. Like, nah, this is this is crazy. Like, I got to go. But I wanted to be like, I wanted to show this character's desperation and like how much he just wanted to feel wanted. And so I was like, had I had to make sure this was this is something like the book kind of talks about, too, is like if you want a TRD to work a certain way, you have to make sure you lay the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. previously to make it logical and credible. And I wanted it to be that this guy wanted to be wanted so bad that he would basically be like, OK, I'll stay. Just 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 make me feel good. And so I had to make sure that like for that reversal to work, I had to breadcrumb it out throughout the rest of the flash piece to kind of establish that. It's a good it's a good piece. I mean, if you guys want to check it out, Baffling Magazine issue number two, you can find it on their website. Well, and I, and I think that's a kind of an underlying and, and this is probably we, we should probably wrap up soon. But I think the underlying part of uh, this chapter, two is. Uh, intrigue, credibility, and evidence, right? And the credibility, I think, is really what we're all kind of talking about, right? Because it says, you know, truth through believable incidents. Like if the if the if if your reader doesn't believe it, 
if, if, or it's super predictable, it's not going to work. And I think that's kind of what we've been really highlighting here is mm-hmm. all of these moments where it works or doesn't work based off of what, off of that. Right. Um, and I, and I think it's important that when you said too, Brent about, you know, you have to place things in certain, you know, you have to breadcrumb it. You have to, you know, it has to be believable when it does happen. Otherwise, like Will said earlier on, it's going to fall flat. And then that's just not going to be a compelling story that you're going to want to stay with. Right. Right. So what else we so, got? Dude? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess we could wrap it up with that. Like that's actually, I guess one, uh, one last thing I wanted to kind of say to everybody out there, if you're writing uh, the thing I got from this chapter too, which I mean, I kind of knew already, but it was good to hear it spelled out. It's okay to know your plot twist before you know the story. It's okay mm-hmm. to know that you want twist to be that the queen kills her husband or something. That's okay, but you just have to make sure you build the story out in such a way that that plot twist is earned and credible and believable. So, yeah, that's my last point. Hey, uh, I guess anybody else had some last uh, last point before we go? Yo, I'm just excited to keep reading your guys' stuff, learning with you, <laughs> reading with you, like seeing all the goodness that you're putting in your writing and all these techniques that we're learning together out into the world. I'm just excited for more of it. <laughs> I see the smile on his face. He's excited. Like, well, you got anything? <laughs> um, any last thoughts? Um, no, I thought this was a great chapter. This was a great discussion. And it makes me want to review my very rough drafts and look at if I'm leading the right breadcrumbs towards things. Well, it's funny. Now that I brought this story up, but I'm like, I'm going to go back and look at this story a little bit because I actually... That was a lot of fun. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think what's important about this this chapter too is is these last couple chapters, they all, you know, connect with each other, right? You know, we have, you know, where you're putting the TRDs and then are you pulling them off? I think is super important um when you go back to revise. And this is just something that um, you know, when you hit your beta readers up and that kind of thing, like, am I pulling this off? Does this work? All of that stuff is super important to have that conversation before you move forward with the story to make sure you're pulling it off. Because I think it's, I mean, if, if it's fallen flat, you got you gotta you gotta go back and revise for sure. So anything else? No, I think that um I think that brings it all together. Yeah, guys, uh, this was a great <laughs> discussion. Like, yeah. Oh, I guess one one final thing for people who have the book, there's a developmental checklist in there that you would wanna look at because it does exactly what Marshall's talking about. It helps you figure out exactly if the TRD is working or not. So check that out. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.